It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. and welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined as always by Herway Konings. And we have an amazing episode lined up for you today, talking about everything blockchain, investment banking, and with the main topic on ESG and how it can be improved leveraging tokenization and automation. But before we get into that, Herway, we do want to thank our sponsor, which this week is a Security Token Advisors Success Network member, founding member, Chainraise. Now, Chainraise is an issuance platform. And if you are understanding of what that means, they help with all of the issuance process while being a vendor. If you're doing a reg CF, if you're doing a fundraise, this involves cap table management when you've got all kinds of investors. There's a ton of compliance you need to do. They automate it all and they help on the fundraising and marketing side. So they're doing some amazing things in the blockchain tokenization space, as well as crossing that with the financing side. And they are Miami-based. So we wanted to shout out Corey and his team for doing some amazing things. Check out chainraise.io if you're trying to understand and learn more about tokenization vendors. Thank you to our sponsors. It's uh, companies like Chainraise that make this show possible. And with that, Kyle, it's great to be here. Excited to get into the ESG talk uh, on tokenization. But first, let's get into the top five. And starting off our top five things you got to know happening right now in tokenization, we're starting off in Japan where Zodiac Custody announced a $36 million funding round led by SBI. So Zodiac Custody, by the way, is a joint venture between Northern Trust and Standard Chartered, obviously with a huge focus on custody uh, for all digital assets. And they're specifically using this money to expand beyond Europe and Japan, uh, but not they cite the U.S. due to the regulatory uncertainty. Wow. Yeah, FBI also noted that they've got a strong relationship and investment in the Swiss digital exchange, potentially bringing all those pieces together. And then to number four, another security token advisor, success network founding member with big news. This is Tokeny coming out and submitting regulatory feedback, not only about the EU regulations, but also condemning chair, SEC chair, Gary Gensler and their approach to the recent compliance and regulations around securities laws and crypto and blockchain stuff, specifically noting that the country is at a disadvantage to other countries that have more flexible frameworks. This is presumably noting more of the markets and crypto assets regulation, the MICA framework issued in the EU that allows for more of these you know, streamlined products to come to market. Tokeny coming out guns blazing. We'll see what happens next. We commend companies like Tokeny and recommend every other uh, firm in this space absolutely always gives feedback to the regulators because they do, in fact, listen. Uh, going on to number three, I'm going to stay in Japan, Kyle. Uh, we've got a very cool hotel uh, tokenization issued by a real estate firm called Kinetics. 
Uh, and they're specifically raising $25 million uh, with a cool little perk attached that you'll be getting a utility token that can be redeemed for souvenirs uh, and presumably maybe some other benefits in the future. So a nice little dual token offer coming out of Japan on MUFG. For those of you who don't know, MUFG is the fifth largest bank in the world. They have a tokenization platform called Progmat, done almost 300 million, maybe more now, I think, with this issuance. Uh, on their uh, platform already. So pretty big announcement. Wild. You'll hear more about that in Sam's section. And number two, Hamilton Lane, $824 billion in assets under management. This is a huge firm, ladies and gentlemen. They have now launched their second tokenized funds. Now, the way that these types of large asset managers tend to do it is they build almost like a feeder fund that then invests directly into the larger funds. This one is their Senior Credit Opportunities Fund. And this is the second tokenization on Securitize using the Polygon blockchain. Specifically noting tokenization and fractionalization allowed them to bring their investment minimum from qualified buyers of $2 million as a minimum investment all the way down to just $10,000 on the platform. This is fascinating, a great example of what we talked about in last week's main topic of opportunities for banks to leverage tokenization. Hamilton Lane doing it to a T. Second time on Secure Time, fifth time overall. We'll hear more about that with Peter in just a second. But first, I'm apparently Japan's correspondent today because the number one piece of news you gotta know, Mitsui, another monster bank, uh, with $1.7 billion in real estate assets, uh, announced that they are preparing for tokenization. Uh, absolutely incredible. They've already done 50 million, it looks like, across four funds, three of them on Progmat, which I mentioned earlier, one of them on Boostry, which we're going to talk about actually in our main topic. Uh, but very, very cool because they also have their own platform, they mentioned, Alterna, saying they have 10,000 people already signed up for that. So maybe they'll be doing some of the, you know, billions uh, in tokenization that they're about to do on their own platform as well. Uh, with that, Kyle, that's the top five. Let's move on to our head of institution here with Peter Gaffney. All right, welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors, where we are seeing much of this happen in real time. So for the first time within this segment, the custodians are leading the charge. Both Fireblocks and BitGo have completed new integrations or upgrades, Fireblocks integrating with the Avalanche Spruce subnet and BitGo upgrading its digital security capabilities with INX1. So as we know from a few episodes ago, the Avalanche Spruce subnet is a sandbox mode solely for institutional players looking to get their hands dirty on the road to full tokenization, whether from an infrastructure or issuance standpoint. Fireblocks is also usually one of the first digital asset custody providers on scene whenever there's a new infrastructure rollout, especially on the institutional front lately. Looking at BitGo, who has actually worked with INX for three years now, uh, this is a product and servicing upgrade. So BitGo's custody solutions can now offer family offices, wealth management groups, venture capital funds, and other institutions uh, with proper guardrails and quality to usher in the real capital that we're looking for. So one facet that really stood out to me is that assets can now be managed using a customized, customizable wallet management policy with different role types like viewers, spenders, approvers, and administrators. This differentiation among the profile type is extremely important. Indeed, uh, you know, shows the progression from a generalized digital wallet to a more precise and capable build-out solution that fits the mold of how institutions currently operate, checks and balances in different divisions, and all that. But it wouldn't be a proper institutional segment without some news on the private fund side, would it? 
So today, Hamilton Lane brought its first private credit fund to market with Securitas and the Polygon blockchain. Yet again, the Senior Credit Opportunities Fund launched in traditional form back in October 2022. Now here in May 2023, a portion of the fund was made available to investors on Securitas in digital form, noting a $10,000 minimum buy-in versus the original $2 million buy-in in traditional side. This feeder fund will offer monthly subscriptions and redemption based on demand. This is Hamilton Lane's fifth tokenization globally, now encompassing both private equity and private credit products. So major shout outs to Victor Jung, Carlos Domingo, Jamie Finn, Colin Butler, and their teams. The Hamilton Lane securitized Polygon trifecta is building tremendous steam these past few months. And that about wraps up my institutional updates here. We're detailing more of this in our STA success network for anyone needing that research boost in their operations. In the meantime, check out the upcoming market breakdown courtesy of Sam Sachs. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap has continued its ascension up to over $16.27 billion on the week, much in part due to a negative 7% rise on May 2nd. Japanese real estate firm Kenedix is no stranger to blockchain or security token. It recently announced its fifth digital security backed by a hotel in Sapporo City. The 3.4 billion dollar yen or 25 million U.S. issuance uses NUFG's Progmap blockchain platform, with NUFG as the trustee and Daiwa Securities as the lead underwriter. What's novel about the latest issuance is, in addition to the digital security, it comes with a utility token that can be exchanged for souvenirs. The attached utility tokens that can only be exchanged for souvenirs on site up to a value of 1930 yen, which is roughly 14 US dollars. It encourages the securities owners to visit and use the hotel. And a new consortium comprising Neopin, Galaxia Metaverse, and Brex Labs will develop a DeFi lending platform using real-world assets, or RWAs, as loan collateral in Korea. The project will tokenize expensive assets like real estate and cars amid growing real-world asset interest from traditional companies. Accordingly, it will stabilize and increase income from a new decentralized finance or DeFi lending protocol called Elify. Assets can be liquidated through Elify in addition to being used as collateral. This is an extremely bright side for the industry as this can potentially begin the strong push towards real-world asset lending protocols that have liquidity and thus can be executed with as little slippage as possible. As we see in standard traditional markets nowadays, people are able to receive collateral for their securities, whether it's Apple stock, Microsoft, or whatever, Microsoft stock or whatever it may be for very little slippage. You have 100 shares worth $10,000, you may be able to get a 50% loan to value on that collateral. In security tokens right now, that's very difficult because of the lack of liquidity but this is the first step in potentially seeing a world where we're able to tokenize these assets, own the tokenized shares, and then collateralize that and receive lending in various different forms that you can put towards other projects. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week and we'll see you next Monday. So to kick off our main topic this week, we're gonna be talking about ESG. The, all of these types of terms around building sustainable business infrastructure for both governance as well as the environment and making sure that we're doing things sustainably moving forward. And we see a ton of benefits in tokenization, specifically referencing a new article coming out from the JPX, which is uh, the owner of the Tokyo Stock Exchange, coming out with a big report on their green bond issuance from earlier this year or last year and talking about some of the things going on there. Hurry, 
How would you lead us off and break down kind of what's going on here? I'll set the stage. You know, this is a, a great topic as ESG investments continue to be on the rise year after year, naturally. Uh, and so, in fact, as you mentioned, JPX already did a green bond issuance last year. They did that on the Boostry platform that's uh, mostly backed by Nomura, created by Nomura in Massive Investment Bank, but they have 15 other firms in their consortium, so you can see how big it is. Uh, and they basically did this for a solar power and biomass deal and went ahead and released kind of like the, the case study around it to ask feedback from the market very smartly. So because there were 50 companies, Kyle, came back and told them what they see are the problems as well as the positives, uh, which I think is very uh, you know, obvious in regards to all the other tokenization benefits we've talked about, right? Digitization, uh, you know, a lot of these settlement features, but also specific to ESG investments, there's also some features we're going to get into. Uh, but yeah, Kyle, yeah. this is a pretty big deal because it's not quite a perfect uh, fit, let's say. Is that right? I think that that's the case. So when we look at the green bond that they issued, specifically, they were raising money to deploy into biomass and solar power generation strategies and building more efficient processes to track CO2 emissions in real time. So when we talk about carbon tracking, this is potentially, aside from the financial structure, something really interesting about tokenization is that it works very well with automation in general. And so with carbon tracking, one of the benefits that they note about leveraging automation and tying all of these pieces together is that traditionally in, in existing analog, all types of ESG style of green bonds, you have very commonly annual reporting by these issuers. So every year they come out and give their feedback on their carbon footprint and the emissions reduced and all the benefits created. However, a lot of investors have quarterly mandates. So they need to see quarterly what's going on in these things in order to make sure they're deploying correctly. So naturally you've got this disconnect and what the green bond and what tying all these tokenized pieces together, we talk about this all the time, having Everything on-chain together allows for a very synergistic process. Bringing that data on-chain and tying it to the issuance itself can allow, for, can allow for automated data collection, which really improves that CO2 tracking process, which in a green bonds perspective, that's the main goal of that investment. That's the magic sauce, folks. Uh, that's the CO2 tracking. We're currently super vague, uh, not a lot of information, not done often. And of course, you got that lack of on-chain capacity. Uh, now completely in reverse. You could see situations, like you said, quarterly, maybe even daily. You could have an understanding of what is the CO2 emissions related to uh, this ESG investment or just in general across all investments, uh, potentially, which is uh, what many people see as the future, uh, which I think is very interesting that that's great for CO2. But they also mentioned in the, the feedback that there were some issues they see specifically in the Japanese ecosystem. Mm. They said that there was no on-chain settlement yet creating a huge barrier to entry from the market, as well as the other two issues they mentioned were just having to migrate to a system, as well as the lack of market regarding investors being there and, and just more participants in general. I think we can settle in on that on-chain settlement thing there, yeah. pun intended, uh, specifically because they mentioned, Kyle, that there is a lack of uh, s solutions to make that full on-chain environment like you mentioned. Right now, they have to manually process what is a digital transaction and then settle it uh, basically through traditional means, uh, which is extremely inefficient or at least 
makes things perhaps even a little bit more complicated. So to really see that full function, you need a stable coin or some kind of other cash function that they can do on-chain settlement with. And that currently doesn't exist in Japan, uh, making it one of the biggest reasons. I found that very interesting. Guys. Yeah, I think it's baby steps, right? You build the different pieces, but you, we do realize we've seen it in the industry. Every company, when they first got into this industry years ago, tried to vertically integrate across the entire life cycle of the asset. Why? Because every step really needs to be on chain and in this ecosystem to actually realize the benefits. If, if one piece is no longer in this automated kind of isolated bubble, you now have to fact check everything because that's tainted information that's tainted samples or data. So building a full ecosystem that is self-sustainable is paramount. And unfortunately, there is regulatory pieces here. We've seen in the US how the ATSs, the marketplaces, trading securities, they're not allowed to use a blockchain ledger as the primary means of settlement for a cap table. So they have to have that, uh, yeah, that analog cap table and ledger, which can create that double checking period where you have the both the technical side that has its own requirements and manual upkeep. And then you've got the actual analog securities that need to be tracked and managed. That whole settlement piece is definitely a big jumble, but we're working in the right direction. And with each new issuance, they can add an additional piece to the puzzle until we finally realize all the benefits. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great way to put it because uh, this is not just exclusive to Japan. As I mentioned, this is, a, of course, a global thing. Uh, and we and we do see a lot of uh, activity, as we mentioned in last week's episode, if you didn't check that out, regarding all the commercial banking and, uh, you know, foundation being set up by Wall Street so that we can enjoy this fully on-chain environment. Uh, but for example, uh, we've seen BBVA for uh, four years ago do their own green bond. Hong Kong has done a lot of green bond activity. We've got um, the ARCA white paper that, that came out around ESG a little while ago. And of course, Invenium. Uh, is well known as a, a basically Oracle layer data validation layer uh, to track something like ESG and CO2 emissions for investments and in real estate and other capacities. So this is absolutely the future. As you mentioned it earlier, Kyle, the root of this is reporting. Reporting is such a, you know, I could say a, a, a bad word <laughs> uh, in order to explain just how excruciating, specifically, especially for ESG investments, it can be to track CO2 emissions and make sure data is actually legit. It's a headache. Um, so absolutely, of course, you named it. That's the main value. But they do see a world where when everything is settled on chain, when there is a market that's actively trading these products, absolutely, this is the future of ESG. Uh, really great work here by the JPX, I think. Huh? There was one other piece that I thought was interesting that they noted that there's actually tax treatment associated changes as well. So with annual or analog green bonds, they get a direct tax write-off for that. And they've yet to experience the same thing with these digital green bonds, which we've always talked about as kind of an interesting angle because from a financial vehicle perspective, it's the same thing. So they really should be treated as the same thing because it's the same financial asset. The way that you track how that asset is managed from shareholder to shareholder is kind of irrelevant to the underlying financial structure. We talk about this quite a lot on the show. So that's another piece where we need to see regulation catch up to these different pieces because those tax benefits are one of the main drivers of these ESG style of green bonds. And we need to get up to the times in order to facilitate. And we have seen many pioneering countries go ahead and actually pass legislation to clarify that digital securities can be managed 
manage on chain and treated the same way as traditional. So totally right. So that you don't get these issues, folks. We'd love for the US to do the same. Um, but that's uh, our main topic, I think. Yeah. Of course, we always want your thoughts and your questions and your feedback. So hit us up on LinkedIn and Twitter. But with that, we're going to end our show with companies of the week to give a little spotlight. So let's do it. And to wrap up our show this week, we are diving into our companies of the week. This is where Herwig and I picked two companies, you may or may not have heard them throughout the show, that we wanted to specifically highlight for doing some really cool things in the industry and give them a vote for our company of the year nomination, where we take one of our company of the week winners and decide that they are the biggest mover of the year. So without further ado, Herwig, who do you have for episode 187? Well, at least uh, I think for the first time on the show, at least for my first time nomination, Gotta give it out to a uh, a blockchain, uh, mm. folks. Specifically, a layer one that I think we've heard come up time and time again recently. But before that, didn't really uh, have much involvement in the tokenization space. So to just to see that incredible adoption, uh, I have to give it out this week to Polygon. We saw the Hamilton Lane announcement. They're doing it a second time on Securitize and a second time on Polygon, which to me, that's a lot of validation. We've seen a lot of these major asset managers trial and test a lot of different you know, options, make sure they have some backups, but to see them double down uh, is, a, is a huge road of confidence, I think, for Polygon. But not to mention that we saw Obligate uh, leverage their tokenization platform. Swarm is using Polygon as well. We also have a Negro, the you know, multi-billion dollar security token that's already trading, switched from Ethereum to Polygon. Uh, and the Siemens bond, most notably as well, a major, major Fortune 100 company tokenizing a corporate bond on Polygon. So again, just huge momentum behind this. I have to give it a spotlight, Casa. Congratulations to Polygon team. I think that's a great choice. If you want to see all of the different blockchains that are leveraging real-world assets, our own Peter Gaffney created a report breaking it down. I think 13 different blockchains are getting heavily involved in this industry. Polygon, one of the leaders at the top with all of these different institutional issuances, and they're pretty focused on interoperability, which I love to see. So without her right, I'm going to get into my company this week, which is Kinetics. This is the real estate issuer behind that NUFG Progmat platform, $25 million issuance. This is a hotel in Sapporo City, Japan. You've heard Sam cover it within our top five. But what I really think is cool is this is their fifth issuance this year, Herwig, and they are on track. Their goal is to get 10 securities issued by the end of the year. So I think it's great that they're building this repeatable process, this is what we need to see more of because I think the benefits of tokenization are realized at scale, not necessarily on a one-off issuer. And so having these different companies, specifically international businesses where there's more flexibility with a lot of these different pieces, I think it's great to see Kinetics doing not only 10 different securities issuances, but they're gamifying the process by issuing a dual token model. They've got a utility token that you can redeem for souvenirs and things like that within their ecosystem. We've seen plays like this in the Web2 world with the you know all these different kind of gamified real estate communities. Now it's coming into the security token space as well. I think it's a great move by Kinetics. Exciting to see them with their future issuances. Uh, I think that's a great choice. Maybe one of our companies here will win company of the year. But with that, that's our show. As always, leave a comment, share, subscribe. 
Uh, we'd really love to get your feedback to continue to give you the best news and information. And if you can't listen to the show, you can, of course, go to stm.co to check out the latest trading information, the latest news, everything in one place for security tokens. And with that, hope to catch you next Monday and happy tokenizing. Thank you.